Star Wars podcast hosted by a mother. Hi, I'm Annika. And daughter. Hi, I'm Kirsty. Today we're discussing fashion in the Star Wars universe. I'm very excited for this topic. It's important to me. I know. It's definitely <laughs> your thing. It's very much my thing. You live and breathe fandom-based fashion and Star Wars fashion in particular. I saw that you're starting to do everyday cosplay recently yes and you like to do it for october and for conventions and all kinds of stuff so fashion is your favorite so far all my conventions are canceled i know i can't wait for october to to cheer me up so (laughs) i'm just going to play around with my my clothes now yeah it's a great idea we want to chat about the role of fashion in the star wars universe Yes, I am excited to talk about this because it's something that I have thought about, honestly, since I was, like, 11. Really? <laughs> yes. I, I remember in at least early high school, if not middle school, thinking about how color happens in Star Wars and tells the story, and it was, like, 90% what color people were wearing, Mm-hmm. We would start talking about how stories are told, the dynamics of stories, the the pyramid and the inverted pyramid, right. you know, those yeah, kinds yeah. of things. If you take the original trilogy and you think going up the hill <laughs> or mm-hmm. or down is is the first one, and then Empire, and then Return of the Jedi is the end. So it's like what Luke wears in the three different films was how I explained the story dynamics of Star Wars. That's awesome. And definitely true and and on purpose that they specifically chose those costumes. Everyone talks about Luke's Return of the Jedi outfit being so iconic because it really stands out and kind of is showing his character growth with this like dramatic entrance kind of thing. It's the most obvious, I think, in Luke's because he does progress from white to like the gray area, and then black. Yeah. But even, like, within those three things, in A New Hope, he's dressed like sand. Mm-hmm. Like, it's it's white, but it's sort of this brushed with, by the desert white, faded white somehow, as opposed to Leia, who's very shiny white. Yeah, and that he's not the only one of our desert protagonists who can exactly. fit that description. <laughs> and I think that's on purpose, too. It's like... And maybe that's why the creators have gravitated to desert planets of being, as being the homes of our main characters is because that sort of muted but light-colored outfit kind of mm-hmm. fits with the, with the starting point for a lot of these characters where they are light. They're the protagonists. They're the one we're supposed to you know, identify with, but they're coming from nothing. They're coming from a, a low point, which is this kind of dirty desert, you know? Right. Yeah, I think it's very, you know, just like how the names are, are well thought in, in Star Wars and the lighting, mm-hmm. like everything comes together. And yeah. it, it's very clear that the costumers really thought about it and how the story that was being told related to the costumes. Yeah, similarly, you know, to our discussion of music, where we talked about how music tells the story mm-hmm. as much as the actual dialogue. The same is true of the costuming and the visual aspects of the story. Yeah, and what I think is great about this is a little bit of a why Star Wars is such a touchstone for so many people, is that there are people who respond visually, and there are other people who respond auditorily, and there are mm-hmm. people who respond emotionally and star wars is able to sort of give every little type of person you know throw something their way so that it's it's telling the story in so many different ways that everybody can connect to it on their level mm-hmm. and it's in such a way where okay so i'm gonna yeah. say this you know the superhero movies they're very popular yeah. these days mm-hmm. so i think that one of the reasons that the Marvel movies have been more popular than the DC movies is that they're so colorful. Yeah, and they are very colorful. And people connect to that. The DC movies are very muted, and not in the way that I'm talking about A New Hope, but like in this like really depressing, dystopian it's kind of gritty, vision. Right, like... <laughs> yeah, gritty, like realistic. we are taking our, 
yeah. our superheroes very seriously. Uh-huh. And like, <laughs> some people really do respond to that, but I don't think the general audience does. I don't think it's, I think it's like the minority of the whole population are into the really, really gritty for, uh, for visuals, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's also like there's like 800,000 explosions. And so when it's, you don't have, for the bright colors of like the Millennium Falcon going into light speed for your while your explosions are happening, or the the lightsabers and stuff, it's too hard on your psyche. Hmm. Yeah, I can definitely see that. So I just I think that one thing I really love about the original trilogy is how there is this this I I guess I'll just keep using the word muted sense over all of the colors mm-hmm. but then they do have the lightsabers to sort of pull through it and there either is one character who wears color who's brighter than the others do you know who he is um lando lando <laughs> <laughs> lando wears blue yeah in a way that no one else does like han has some blues and reds like piping or like bits and pieces of it mm-hmm. but he's mainly you know in his black and white which again is very sort of like it's on the nose that he's partially light and partially <laughs> dark <laughs> but it's there yeah but lando in empire strikes back wears blue he wears the cape he has like the trim on his that's holding his cape up and stuff. Like, mm-hmm. he's very flamboyant in the way he, not only in the way he dresses, but also in the way he, like, uses his clothing. Like, he's just very, like, I am Lando, and I have yeah. better posture than everybody. It's <laughs> like, he's very, he's very Lando. And then I think the color combinations, too. Like, not just having right. a bright blue, but having it be with that shiny yellow and things right, like that. Right, exactly. He's he's creating this look, and and it is the shiny yellow. It's like a satiny. Like, he has some sort of, like, holdover from prequel era. Yeah. But then in Return of the Jedi, when he's working with our group of rebels, all of a sudden he's dressed like them. Mm-hmm. Like, he's in the, the muted browns and, and beiges like everybody else. Right. Because he's joined our crew. Well, the rebels do have those, like, bright orange suits, which are kind they of do. a standout color <laughs> as well. And that's because they need to show that those are the pilots. Right. And I, you know, it's and it's great. It makes perfect sense. And they look like pilots because they're in the little jumpsuits and everything. And I kind of love that they're orange. But it's sort of, it, because they're, they're pilots, it becomes, and it's a uniform, they're very utilitarian. Whereas right. Whereas like, in Solo, he has a whole closet full of his crazy I love clothes. that that's a canonical thing, that he just has <laughs> this flashy cave collection. <laughs> so, I just think that that's great. That yeah. That you do have that one. And that, like I said, a holdover from the prequel era. It's like, I feel that we've spoke before about how the prequels are just an explosion of color yeah that it's almost unreal how Mm -hmm. much color and and brightness and everything is always alive in the prequels right and that's supposed to be having this contrast with the original trilogy right so i like that Lando in the original trilogy and then they they carry that over into his appearances in Rebels into Solo like every time we see Lando he's got a little bit of I you know found the the people who made capes (laughs) for four people in the prequel era and Uh they and and recreated them or or he's like smuggling antique capes or something like Mm -hmm. I just I I imagine that is is the truth about Lando is that it's He's presenting himself not only as a businessman and like someone who matters and someone who should who sh- you should pay attention to, but he's also presenting himself as someone who is from the era of, you know, the Renaissance and and the Golden Era and <laughs> like the, the good times. I could say that, yeah. <laughs> I like, and you know, you can tell he cares about his appearance. Like, you know, that's something else you can tell from the the clothing and the outfits is, you know, just about their their personality, 
what they yes. value? Do they value their appearance or is it more about practicality? Like if you look at Ray, everything about her outfit is just for being practical and um, and surviving as a scavenger in the desert. And so you kind of get some idea, kind of like with the music again, you get an idea of some of the things that aren't being said in the dialogue just from looking at their costumes. So as someone who like loves costumes and loves Padme, who could be <laughs> her own episode about this, but the fact that Ray has like two or three costumes the entire time, mm-hmm. the entire trilogy like drives me crazy and it makes me like, it's like, oh, why? But at the same time, I do think that it is true to her character that she doesn't care. Mm-hmm. That it, that's not what's important to her as to what she's wearing. I do like that it goes from the sandy beige and then through, going back to Luke briefly, because it's right. Yeah, yeah. So I can see where Empire you're going. Back, Luke is in, like, browns and greens, and I say that he's, like, swamp-colored. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he goes from sand to swamp, which sort of makes sense, because he goes from Kenobi to Yoda, and then in Return of the Jedi, he's black, which is, like, space or a Death Star, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and Vader. So it's like there's this this progression of the people that are mentoring him in some way or connected to him or is a paternal figure mm-hmm. and where those people exist on the plane of existence when he encounters them. And in The Last Jedi, we progress from Sand Ray to, like, she's wearing grays and, and with this, like, tinge of green. So even though... Luke isn't actually in a swamp. She's still sort of following his swamp progression (laughs) in colors. And then in the final, in Rise of Skywalker, she's in bright white, Mm -hmm. similar to Leia in A New Hope. It's an interesting progression. I think it's important for Rey that she's always in these lights and that her twin her dyad is, is always in black mm-hmm. so that even when they're working together they're still like they you know they're balanced <laughs> yay balance yeah and I read that Michael Kaplan the costume designer for the sequel trilogy like he's mm-hmm. specifically like that was his idea to like mostly J.J. Abrams wanted Ray to go back to her original outfit and not really change it up at all, but, you know, the costume designer's idea was to go with that, but at least make it white so that it was, like, you know, Princess Leia, basically, like a a callback to Leia and bringing it back to the beginning, I guess. A new version. Yeah. Which is, is cool. Like, I honestly didn't notice it that much at first. I honestly thought it was the exact same outfit, but now that I'm looking at pictures more closely, and I think part of it's, like, lighting and things like that come into play, Um, but I do like that they made that sort of subtle change where it's like not something you notice right away, but it does reflect the progression of the character and things like that. I do wish that she was wearing a different costume in her last scene Mm -hmm. because I want her to have, you know, I want her to have grown as a character. Like I want her to have, and I think that she does, but I want the costume to reflect that. You know what I'm saying? Well, I think it's just what we were saying is that, that's just not Ray's way of yeah, expressing herself, her. you know, even though costumes do express that. For Ray in particular, it's really not her uh, way yeah. of expressing expressing her change. Like, she has a new lightsaber, and that's her change kind of thing. Yeah, that's true. It's all about utility lightsaber. for her. <laughs> so the other thing that I find very interesting between the original trilogy and the sequel trilogy is that Leia, who, you know, okay, so she's in her whites in A New Hope, shining white, both of her dresses, mm-hmm. you know, bright silver. She's just glowing, right? And then she's still in white in Empire. It's a little less bright because it's a little dirtier because they're like, it's a grittier movie. We discussed that, right? Mm-hmm. 
and then she dresses briefly in the Cloud City clothes, which are sort of brown and gray, and but they sort of reflect Lando's. Like, you can sort of see, like, because she has a little cape kind of thing going on, and she has, you know, it's like, okay, I can see where that's the aesthetic of all of Cloud City. Uh-huh. And then we, of course, get the bikini, the slave Leia. Right. And then camouflage, and then the Ewok princess. And those are both very, like, she's becoming one of the, with the woods and, and nature. And, like, it's very, it's, it's true to the story of Star Wars of, you know, like, nature being a little bit more good than technology mm-hmm. and technology being easily overcome by nature. And so I, I think that the fact that she goes from Alderaan princess to Ewok princess is sort of this interesting, helps the, the story of Star Wars and that nature thing. But she always always wearing earth tones or white. Like the, that's those are those are her colors mm-hmm. in the original trilogy, but in the sequel trilogy she wears blue, she wears purple and lilac and a red like a you know rusty color. Like she's all of a sudden branching out into actual colors, uh-huh. <laughs> and she has more jewelry and you know she's it's it's nice to see Leia even though she's sort of stepping back from her princess bit right she wants to be general leia not princess leia she's still very regal though right she's bringing in these regal aspects and again sort of this idea of going back to a better time period Mm -hmm. and i like that it's lilacs and blues because again we know nothing about alderaan like we learn nothing about alderaan other than it has purple mountains. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so it's just finally connecting with her planet in a way. Yes. Nice. Yeah, that's cool. I do like her costuming in the sequel trilogy and, and especially in The Last Jedi. Yeah, the, the last... The, the cape. gown with the cape it's that very she cool. wears yeah. is amazing. And she looks so good in it. And so, like, she just... Has to, she's just standing there in that one scene, and it's just like, whoa, mm-hmm. all of Leia in this one shot. I really get it. So I like that a lot. Yeah. And you um, you brought up, like, the Rebels as having sort of muted or earth tones and that, like, being yep. sort of associated with the good guys as well. And so I think that's also, like, another important function of costuming is kind of helping the audience identify like, who the good guys are and stuff like that. And I think it is neat that in the original trilogy and the sequel trilogy, it's sort of the more dull characters <laughs> that are the good guys. Um, kind, <laughs> kind of like you're saying how they're sort of saying Earth and nature is kind of associated with good and then kind of the more black and white, shiny, <laughs> you know, kind of thing <laughs> is like, is more of the bad guys. Yep. Yeah, you know, so they're all very militaristic and totalitarian, yeah. and, and they're all in uniforms. But so then the people in the prequels, it's, that's the good guys, you know? It's, right. it's interesting it's, that they have to still is. get that across. So the prequel trilogy, again, color, color everywhere. Mm-hmm. and so, But the Jedi are still in Earth Tones. Like, the Jedi are still in basically what Obi-Wan's wearing, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> in, in A New Hope. They get to be in those outfits, and but I like that, like, like Anakin and Obi Wan during the Clone Wars. One of them is wearing all black, and the other is wearing mm-hmm. all white or light colors. Anakin gets to go through his his transition uh-huh. from Sand Child, yeah, <laughs> and then in Episode Two, he's it's still like a Sand Child, but he's like a Sand Child <laughs> Jedi. Yeah, but he's still not. He's not in the leathers, like the extreme. I'm gonna be Darth Vader, <laughs> dark leathers that he is in Episode Three. Right, most of Clone Wars. Yeah, 
Whereas you're absolutely right, Obi-Wan is in, like, Obi-Wan stays in his sand colors, Mm -hmm. even though he's not a sand child throughout. And then seeing them next to each other, it's like, you can really tell that they're going for kind of this sort of branching between them and the light versus dark side of the force. And then there's Padme. I, again, this could be its own three-hour episode. <laughs> Just talking Padme has about so Padme. many costumes. She has so many costumes. I am slowly but surely writing, writing up about all of them on my blog. But the simple version is that Queen Amizala, her signature color is red. She wears a variety of different reds and red-related colors. Like the bright red throne room that we her was her first big marketing push and mm-hmm. the first thing that we see her wearing and the burgundy battle padme outfit yeah and all of the handmaidens are in their orangey flame colors and then when she's padme in like, throughout in all three movies she's most often in blue and particularly in relation to Tatooine, she always wears blue on Tatooine, which I think is very symbolic <laughs> because she's like Tatooine is again a desert planet, and mm-hmm. Anakin is a desert child, and she's from a water planet, and right. she's so she's wearing blue when Anakin is home, and then and it really makes her stand out there as well. Yes, exactly. It makes a statement. Yeah. In episode two, which is easily the most romantic Star Wars movie, and certainly of the of these two, they go they go on their little romantic getaway, which is beautiful. Everywhere they go is beautiful, and she wears a rainbow of colors. Yeah. Like, at one point, an actual rainbow. But <laughs> she's she's wearing gold. She's wearing the pinks she's wearing like of all sorts of just bright colorful we are in love and we're gonna go through this whole crazy thing and then she wears the bright white in the arena battle you know and mm-hmm. that's probably what she's most often like that and the red amadala are the are they like she's most marketed in, and I think that it's the the white one is because she can be linked to Leia very easily in that one outfit, and then in the episode three she's still wearing collars, and she's still wearing very elaborate costumes, but they're heavier and mm-hmm. they're darker. They're not as bright. Yeah, I was going to mention that, too, that it's not just color that's showing this progression, but, like, also the style of the clothing, whereas, you know, she's going from queen to senator, so she's going from this, like, really regal and, like, large Mm -hmm. volume kind of dresses to sort of more flowy, romantic, but still elegant. And then, yeah, in episode three, it's kind of more subdued in a way, but still, you know, still very... Pretty. <laughs> and subdued, I think, is a really good word for it. And it's because she is hiding. Like, she's trying to hide a very important secret. <laughs> and it's part of her identity. I mean, way too many people think that Padme is only Anakin's wife and Luke and Leia's mother. Like, that's her entire identity to some parts of the fandom. And mm-hmm. she's hiding it throughout episode three behind these layers and layers of fabric that are very heavy all of those all of the fabrics in episode three are like they're these brocades and velvets as opposed to the meadow dress that she's wearing in when she's on Naboo and the the rainbow dress are like chiffon (laughs) that Mm -hmm. you know are blowing in the wind so yeah, it's, it's very clear. That's that all very specific and um, chosen with purpose, I'm sure. Yeah. I saw some also interviews with the costumer from the prequels, Trisha Bigger, 
and one of the things they talked about the most was the choice of fabrics and how like that was all very specific and they source fabrics from all over the world to always get just the right look for every scene yeah I believe it I think that it's amazing and one thing I did want to mention is I really like about Clone Wars is there are some outfits that they just made up just for Clone Wars yeah and then there are outfits like what Obi-Wan and Anakin wear and certain things that that Padme wears are very close to what they are in the live action Mm -hmm. but they're not exactly and I just I enjoy that yeah like I can you know so I can sort of say this is the same outfit it's just this is like a different because it's animated instead of on but it's supposed to be the same outfit and I just enjoy looking at the differences in this and and I you know I I like to think about alternate alternate universes a lot and different ways of telling stories Mm -hmm. and I always think of Star Wars because it says a long time ago in a galaxy far far away as these are legendary characters that people have told these stories about and that we're watching them and so the Clone Wars is it's it's like the different the different versions of Jesus' story in the Bible. You know, Mark, <laughs> Luke, yeah. Matthew, and the other one. Yeah. <laughs> you can tell how religious I am. <laughs> I think it's John. But <laughs> the point is that the Clone Wars is like, a, it's the same story, but being told by different people, you know, a different point of view or something. So... That's how I, I know it's like there's canon and there's not canon, but I like to look at it as there's just different stories. Yeah, I mean, and that fits in with the reality of it, which, like, is probably that certain things don't work as well in animation as in real life and vice versa. And so they can take the same design or the same the same clothing item and translate it to this different medium and maybe it does require some tweaking that makes it look a little bit different. Yeah. Um, but that can be kind of a cool thing to see. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. I think it's, I, I like when they play with it. That's I like, good. another thing I like in Clone Wars with some of the new outfits that they come up with are, I feel like the Clone Wars gives them the chance to explore lots of different planets and different cultures. And so I think we get to see more of the culture being reflected in the costumes um, in right. something like Clone Wars where, like, they don't have to design it in real life. So it's like they, they can, can do whatever they want. They can, yeah, they can do whatever they want and have it kind of fit in with where our characters find themselves. What the, What's the weather like there? What's the culture like? How do they have to fit in or do they want to stand out? Things like that. Yes. I think that that's... Because there are some characters that in the Clone Wars that are, like, in the background of scenes mm-hmm. in the prequels or were, like, in deleted scenes. It's like, so those character designs and even those costumes exist on some level. Uh-huh. But when the Clone Wars does its great thing of bringing those background characters to the forefront and telling their story for yeah. 20 minutes... They can, like, think about the costume instead of something that's, like, in the back that is going to show off Padme and Bale talking or whatever. And as this is something from that person's culture, as you're saying, and and this is what it means and this is why it's important. And I think that's great. And I think that Clone Wars gives them that freedom. Yeah. And it probably is easier, like, it's probably harder to animate than to film, but it's easier to design and yeah draw sort of in like a practical create a sense. costume yeah. <laughs> yeah 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 and then in rebels everybody wears the same clothes most of the time oh my gosh yeah <laughs> and it's like really though <laughs> you're right i i barely thought about star wars rebels for talking about this except for sabine and i was kind of not mm-hmm. bringing in oh and ahsoka to some extent like the, I wasn't bringing in, like, armor because I feel like it would be a lot to discuss if we included armor and also, yeah. like, I think different species. Like, cost, costuming in general would be a long, a long discussion. I think that can be for another time. But, like, Sabine does change up her look, and that's specifically part of her character is that she's an artist, and she still only does it, you know, 
for each season. Right. So it's like, yeah, it's interesting yeah. that it's a lot more static, and it's, I guess. it's like, it's I mean, but Anakin and Obi-Wan are always cutting his hair thing, so. <laughs> when it ends. And I know, yeah, you're right. Can't, like, the, the difference, t- the difference time passes purpose. for them Very purposeful. in in war, in hair and armor, as you say, and like scars and like, yeah. but they, they're the cost, their outfits are pretty much the same. Like they, even like Hera does have two different pilot outfits <laughs> that they're, you can't like, you have to look. I, I to, didn't to know that. <laughs> difference. I had like, no really idea. You have to pay attention. <laughs> so that's interesting. Yeah. Um, but that's probably, I mean, I would guess that that is a budget constraint. And like, yeah, it's interesting that uh, yeah, because when they go to other planets and things, do they have? Because when I'm thinking about like the, the characters going to different planets, it's like oh, they go to a, a snow planet in the Clone Wars and they have like this fun snow outfit Those, on kind right, of thing. Yeah. Um, but like on a general day, Ahsoka, Anakin, and Obi Wan are all wearing <laughs> their regular outfit, right? So, but then but a lot of the background characters and. And yeah. other characters and it, bring in some creativity and there. And also, of course, the Jedi are going to wear... Like, they, Anakin and Obi-Wan and Ahsoka have 20 pairs of the same clothes, right? Or, right, yeah. Or it's probably like, less than that. They have the five Jedi. and they do the laundry <laughs> often. So, but Padme is, like, part of her persona and part of her career is not to be seen in the same clothes. Right. yeah. Like, she has to be a, a revolving wardrobe. Mm-hmm. And so... And I'm, I think that the Rebels are more like the Jedi. Is They're all living on on the ghost, right? So yeah. they don't have, like, a lot of space or... And they don't... And it doesn't matter. They, yeah. they're, not, they're not going to be dressing up and going to a party. So it makes sense, both on a meta level and on... And they're also, like, they're in the original trilogy era, right? Right. So... They shouldn't be so they're fashionable. Like all those other people who aren't Lando, who <laughs> don't have right, the exactly. resources to have an extravagant outfit or change of outfits. Um, right. And then they're kind of, yeah, they're kind of like Ray in that way. Like when I was discussing how Ray is mostly right, dressed yes. for purpose and not really for a specific appearance. So right, yeah, it makes sense. It's just it's notable. <laughs> it is, yeah. <laughs> And Solo is also in original trilogy era, right? Rogue One and Solo are both in original trilogy. Rogue One mm-hmm. does an amazing job of looking like an immediate prequel to A New Hope. They seem like the same movie to me. It's mm-hmm. incredible. I just am always impressed. I like that Krennic wears white to sort of be like, you know, I can be a bad guy and still wear white. <laughs> yeah. But he's also, like, he's so ridiculous and he's like... He wears white to stand out amongst the bad guys, and yeah. he fails, <laughs> and that's, like, great. He's that. a character so. I would categorize as wanting to stand out and caring about their appearance. Exactly. Like, that's why he, <laughs> he picked that on purpose. He yeah. wanted everyone to be looking at him, but the thing is that everyone's looking at him and making fun of him, <laughs> so it's great. Solo, because they're not rebels in Solo, right? They're not... It's not leading directly into the original trilogy. It's people who are beginning to build a rebellion. Mm-hmm. And then people who are just sort of stuck in it. And so Lando, of course, <laughs> I've already discussed, has this amazing wardrobe. He's really trying to hold on to the prequel lifestyle. <laughs> and, and then there's Kira, who appreciates Lando's closet and his outfits but she and, and she has lots of like different looks that are all sort of similar in their own very well put together like she, she wears specific clothes for specific events mm-hmm. throughout the movie but it reminds me a lot of not in the design but how Leia's slave slave Leia outfit Mm-hmm. Is like something that was forced on her, so she does. She's not wearing her like she wouldn't. She didn't choose that, and she's not Leia. Is like it's, it says nothing about her character because it was it was forced on her. Right. And I feel like all of Kira's clothes are are very 
she is certainly her dresses like her one outfit that she does put Lando's cloak on to make a, a statement with is maybe like the most Kira-ish like that's who Kira would be if she if Kira got to be in charge of her existence mm-hmm. but all of her other things that are very shiny and very fancy and yeah. have this we're trying to hang on to the prequel era or really they remind me the most of what people wear in the casino scene in the last jedi like yeah she would fit in really well there and definitely so it's like it's the it's the criminal underground right. and she's I just wearing she what she needs it. to wear doing what she exactly. needs to do kind of thing right it's her armor it's her version of armor mm-hmm. so that's I, cool I would love a, uh, you know, more Kira <laughs> so I can see what she would choose to wear if yeah. she got to be in charge of it. Like, I really want the Kira and Darth Maul try to take over the world story just to see how that plays out. Yeah, we that'd be awesome. We know they fail, but I want to <laughs> see, see who Kira is when she's in charge of her own destiny. Right. And I think that'd be cool. So I agree. Oh, well. <laughs> but, <laughs> So I just, I really like, I really, I just think that the costuming is, is very smart in all of the different versions of Star Wars. The costuming is smart and I really appreciate it. Yeah. You can tell everything's deliberate and tells a much greater story than you'd initially think just by looking at it. What are some of your favorite outfits in all of Star Wars? All right. Do you have a number one favorite outfit? I do. I have my number one favorite outfit is the meadow dress from episode oh, nice. two. The Padme's golden Elizabethan mm-hmm. corset dress that is predominantly yellow, but has yellow, pink, blue, green, all of it. She is it. She is the meadow come to life. It's her most romantic look. She, I've, I can link to my essay on this outfit where I point out She's got a whole essay. Yes. There (laughs) are a bunch of paintings of courtly love and Lancelot and Guinevere where Guinevere is dressed in very similar ways to Padme in this in this dress and in this scene. And I think that's on purpose. Um, there's also, like, other movies have big, bright golden dresses. Uh, there's the, the Queen Elizabeth movie and the Three Musketeers. So there's all these other heroines and other tragic love stories that she is bringing into that scene and that story and also I just it's the most beautiful one it's just it's just my favorite that's really cool I think it's also just kind of a fun outfit and she's having fun in that scene you know like it's just them hanging out and running around and things like that and I think that the dress kind of reflects that like it's almost something like a little girl would wear on a day off or something I don't know it's just I think it's a, a good choice they are so happy in that scene. They're probably the happiest we ever see them. So, sad. <laughs> yeah. I, what about you? I like that one, too. I think I particularly tend to like sort of ombre looks. And so one outfit you mentioned earlier that I'm sort that's sort of like nostalgic to me weirdly and it's also my favorite color is those handmaiden outfits the yeah. orange ones mm-hmm. because and this is like really random but like when I was younger I played the episode one video game and I remember very distinctly this part of the video game where you're like escorting the handmaidens and have to like <laughs> protect them from droids and stuff I don't know it's very Aww. random but, like, I don't know, maybe I was stuck on that level or something like that when I was little. Barely remember, but I've always kind of liked that look. And then, like, for my real answer, it would probably be the lake gown that Padme mm-hmm. has, which is also kind of an ombre 
Mm-hmm. Very flowy it's, style. Yeah, they they have they have similarities. Sunset. I like sunset colors. So yeah, it's beautiful. So beautiful. But then I do have to give a shout out to Jin Urso's clothes mm. because I would dress like Jin Urso every day if I heard her clothes. I just that is very much like I I love. Padme, and I love her dresses, and I love dressing up, but my life is not one where I would get to wear a ball gown <laughs> every day, mm-hmm. and I can be a very utilitarian, you know, Ginoso sort of dresses like girl Han Solo, in a way, uh-huh. and I'm into that, so I just, I just remember finding the character design, like the character sketches of her clothes, mm-hmm. and being like, I literally want to like recreate this this drawing like this is what I want to wear and I would just wear a different Jin Urso character sketch yeah yeah it's a cool look it has a lot of layers to it and I really like layers too and it kind of you know when it's not I mean like of course we pick Padme looks because those are just beautiful but right but you get the chance when you have a sort of more practical look to use a lot of different layers and gadgets and bips and bobs to like make it look pretty cool so I think like in terms of like cosplay I, I would love to cosplay Jinner so you know yep. I think that's a very cool look nice. so who is best dressed in all of Star Wars Padme obviously <laughs> <laughs> this is not a contest the answer is Padme yeah yeah, like there have been lists online, and for some reason, she has been like third or fourth, or sometimes left off entirely. So and it's just like these people are so anti prequel that they are living <laughs> in a delusional I mean, reality. Like, there is yeah. no, like, objectively, the fact that she has like 46 costumes <laughs> means that she's best dressed. Yeah, really. <laughs> <laughs> Therefore, those people are wrong. Like, a lot of times I can just say, it's everyone's opinion. But in this this one instance, (laughs) just this one. But I I will say, I do have a runner up. Do you have a runner up? Um, I could think about it, but I don't. (laughs) What was your runner up? It's Lando. Lando, there you go. Lando is my runner up because Lando cares about clothes almost as much as Padme. And if they got to hang out, it would be amazing. Mm. And I like AUs where <laughs> Padme gets to live long enough to hang out with Lando and they would dress up poor little Ben Solo. <laughs> it would be amazing. <laughs> That's awesome. I like that. And you mentioned that you would cosplay Jin Erso. I agree. Is there anyone else that you would want to cosplay? Hmm. Like, yeah, you're right, I'd I love know. to do those those everyday cosplays. Right. I want to do an everyday cosplay for, like, everyone. <laughs> and I've done a few. I've done a few. And I still have, like, I, I like doing them again, you know. I mean, obviously, I wanted, I would love to do more Padme's. And, like, because, again, she has so many different ones. Yeah. And I've done a few different layers. And I've only tried I, I i i would like to do ray well i think that i would rather do an everyday cosplay of ray than a cosplay of ray like her costume is so simple i think it would be really hard to pull off i know that doesn't make sense but that's how i feel not like it would need to be perfect or something yeah i don't know it would just like and and or maybe i just I don't know, but I would love to do a. I would definitely do Last Ray Jedi Ray. I I like I wore sort of a Disney bound Ray to Disney Hollywood Studios, and mm-hmm. so I mean, if I ever get to go to Galaxy's Edge, it's gonna be crazy. I'm gonna how am I gonna choose which character? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I'm gonna want to like There's go so into many. the bathroom every hour and change into a character. <laughs> So. You've done that kind of thing at conventions before. I so. have. True. <laughs> it, it could happen. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I do I like. Still. Yeah, it's it's hard to choose like who I would 
who I would cosplay. Because, I mean, there's so many uh, fantastic costumes in Star Wars, and I'd really want to do it justice, you know? Right, yes. <laughs> um, and so many people do. Just, like, I've seen so many amazing Star Wars cosplays. The community is just amazing. Oh, yes. And there's, you know, there's message boards, and there's Facebook groups, and there's so many people that would help you to make mm. them, to make them perfect, and to make them to rebel legion quality. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's, and that's, it's a, it's great. And I have to say that, like, sometimes the Star Wars fandom, it's a little hard, a little stressful, mm. but, and that's true of the costuming fandom as well, but my Padme Facebook group that I'm part of is just amazing. It's just a bunch of people who love Padme and want to help everyone be their perfect Padme and however they want to define that. Like they, they have no, like you don't have to be rebel legion. You don't have to be going for that. They love, you know, seeing the, the Disney bound versions. They're very, they're just, and, and you know, someone will post a picture and this, it's just 30 comments of you look amazing. You know, (laughs) it's just like, it's just so heartwarming. Yeah. I love that. I I find with cosplay in general, that's, often the case like we've done I've gone to sort of Star Wars cosplay photo shoots with you I've never personally really cosplayed Star Wars but I just I love always seeing the variety and that like everyone is so supportive of each other like whether it's you're trying to make it like authentic perfect cosplay or if you're just like doing something creative that's inspired by Star Wars it's like just this very welcoming happy space yeah, absolutely. I, w- I had that on, on my list of things to talk about, too. Is that I love our little Kinetic-Con Star Wars photo shoot group. It's always such a good turnout for that, too. And like, Yeah, they're, and they are, it's a nice community. are friendly and fun and kind. <laughs> it's just... And there's always, wonderful. like, some crazy, like, Darth Vader yes. vac- vacation version or, like... Oh, my God, the businessman surfboard <laughs> yeah, Boba, Han Solo yeah. in Carbonite was amazing. Yeah, there's always some, like, funny, kooky stuff going on, and then people who are doing more traditional cosplay and then just having them all take a picture together. It's so nice. Yeah, so I really love that. All right, do you have anything more to say about costumes? And again, like, we should have a whole separate talk about armor (laughs) sometime because I think that that... I love how they do armor in Clone Wars, and I love... The similarities and differences between Zam Weasel and Zori. <laughs> like, I could talk about that for at least 10 minutes. So, we definitely should. So, we should Just do that. <laughs> before we wrap up, something I thought would be worth discussing for fashion is her universe. Oh, yes. Because I think her universe is really important because it filled a huge gap in Star yes. Wars fandom, which was the lack of, you know, representing girls in the fandom that have always been a part of it but have not necessarily been represented in merchandise and things like that and recognized as fans. And I can say that I have seen a difference, a huge difference in not like now that her universe exists, other places are starting to cater to women too or and even have just the idea of having a you know, a black t-shirt with the Star Wars logo on it in a woman's cut. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. you wouldn't think that was hard, but it was something that didn't exist, you know, 10, 15 years ago. Yeah. When the prequels were happening, it right. didn't exist. Yeah, and I, I, it's amazing, and I think it's really cool that it was started by Ashley Eckstein. Right. Who is, like, a, an actor in Star Wars who was having trouble finding a Star Wars t-shirt she could wear, right. you know? Um, have you read her book yet? The It's Your Universe. No, you keep telling me to. <laughs> you really I need definitely to read that should. book. It's, <laughs> okay. it's really well, perfect promise. for you, especially because, like, you know, it's kind of she found a market and made a business around it, kind of thing. But really, it she her motivations was entirely just empowering women and welcoming women into the fandom, which was the role of her as Ahsoka as well, because 
Ahsoka was, like, the first main character female Jedi. Yeah. I also just really like her universe. I think that the clothes are really good quality and really cool designs where they're kind of clearly inspired by and officially inspired by Star Wars costumes and fashion, but they're kind of made to be more realistic and something that you could wear any day, which is pretty cool. And she also, like, now does these fashion shows at San Diego Comic-Con where people can submit their sketches of a fandom-inspired, like, fashion, you know, fandom-inspired mm-hmm. fashion. And they, I don't know how many finalists there are, but they, they pick a certain number of finalists, and it's kind of like Project Runway, where, like, you get to make that outfit and bring it to uh-huh. San Diego Comic-Con and do a fashion show, and then then some somebody wins or whatever. Yeah. And I just think that's amazing. That's, like, she's just, she's doing all sorts of things for the industry that, that you know, we can, we can point to and say, this is someone who saw a need and did something about it yeah and in her book she talks about like how she's like never made merchandise before designed clothes before but she was just said I'm gonna (laughs) go make a Star Wars fashion line now and (laughs) people selling me know are just gonna have to change their mind (laughs) it has the Marvel superheroes and it has yeah it's really branched out they even had Star Trek briefly neat and I loved, like, they, they did a Counselor Troy dress, and I was just, like, crying that that existed. <laughs> and the Picardigan, because I just have to say Picardigan, Picardigan. Out loud <laughs> because it was so clever. And so, yeah, like, they, they have a whole line now, and everyone cares. <laughs> and I just, yay. <laughs> That's awesome. Ashley, it's time forever. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Brea and Leia. You can find us online at breaandleia.live and follow us on Twitter at at breaandleia. That's at B-R-E-H-A-N-L-E-I-A. I am at Kirsty Bess on Twitter. And I am at Manic Pixie Dane. Our theme music is You Can Think Positive by Snow Music Studio. If you like us, leave a review at Apple Podcasts or wherever you consume podcasts. The more reviews, the easier it is for new listeners to find us. And tell your friends. We will be on hiatus for a few. Watch on Twitter for announcements.